Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mail Right Show. We are incredibly lucky to have one of America's top speakers with us today. It's Shep Hyken. Shep is a master of all things related to customer service topics. He's he's spoken for more uh, notable Fortune 500. All, just the list is too big to actually go through in terms of who he's talked to. But he has he is. He is a, a master of the customer service experience. He's agreed to come on with us briefly today on the MailRite Show and talk to us about how real estate agents might create a great customer-centric culture. With no further ado, Shep, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Hey, I'm Shep Hyken, customer service experience expert, and I'm honored and flattered to be here. So I'll answer any and all of your questions that I'm capable of answering. Lovely. And then we still have my amazing co-host, Jonathan Denwood, who is uh, the master of ceremonies for the MailRite system, which is a real estate marketing system that focuses on Facebook. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks for that, Robert. Just going to keep it brief. Like I say, I'm the founder and CEO of MailRite, and we just really, we know Ship is tight on time. He's really very popular, and we just want to really delve in and get his knowledge and share it with our audience. Back to you, Robert. I can be your mystery host for the day, uh, for the, uh, for the, sa- for the, for the, <laughs> to save us a little bit of time. So Shep, um, we found you, or at least our ears perked up when we saw a piece of content that you produced called the real estate agents, five ways to create a real, uh, customer centric culture. I personally am a big fan of riffing. So, you know, that our, our audience is real estate professionals and obviously in today's world, it's going digital and it's getting a little bit complicated in terms of how do you establish a customer service experience when, when so much of what is happening isn't necessarily being in front of somebody. So what is the advice that you give? Let's just pretend that your aunt, uncle, brother, sister is a real estate agent and, and they come to you and they say, Hey, you're the master of all things, customer service related. What do you tell them to do in terms of creating a great customer experience for their clients? Sure. So, there, boy, that's a loaded question that we can talk. I've written eight books on this now. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask it's me. A, the it's, only a, it's only a small question, isn't it? Right, right. right, right. Question. Why don't you I tell me my, everything you know, influ- you know? I think my influence is growing on Robert because I'm notorious <laughs> for those type of questions. <laughs> so here, here's a, a really interesting concept. Um, I would ask, you know, uh, I would like to give people just, rather than just give you information, I want to give you something that's actionable. But I mean, I'll tell you some of the things that clients in the real estate industry want, and they want fast response. They want to know that their agent knows who they are and what they're about and what drives them. Because if you're going to sell me or show me homes, I mean, we know it. if, If you show me 200 homes, you're going to confuse me. If you show me 20 homes, I'll be less confused. Show me four or five of the perfect homes. And then I'm going to buy something because I understand you're, you know me and you, you trigger it. So know me, know me, well enough to be able to make the right recommendations. Anything less than that's going to give you a mistake. Rapid response, quick response. That's really important. If I call you, you got to get back to me. So you you determine, I mean, I kind of have an idea of what I would like from the standpoint of speed of response, but you need to determine what your lowest expectations are and make sure they're always exceeded and make sure that those low expectations are in line with the customer's regular expectations. Um, so those are just a couple of things. Um, something else that I would suggest 
is uh, information. Information is key. So I want to take you through a process if I can. Uh, This is a a way, I mean, the real estate world is a very competitive world. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you're vying for listings. You're vying for, you know, home buyers to do business with you. So I wrote a book. Uh, It actually doesn't come out for a little while. It's called I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Uh, Shameless plug. Want to learn more? I'll be back book.com. Buy the book today. You get the ebook immediately, even though the book doesn't come out till later. Here's the galley copy. And in chapter 15, there's a process. The process is about how you are comparing yourself to others, but also looking at people outside of your industry to become world-class, not just well-known within. Because that's, that's what your customers expect today. They're not comparing you to another real estate agent. They're going to compare you to the very best service they've ever gotten. If another organization completely unrelated to real estate has super fast response time, they want that same response time from you. So. Here is a six-step process. (laughs) You didn't read this article, but it's not five ways. It's six ways. Here it goes. Well, that's Dan to be our Katie Dan, you know. (laughs) Well, six is, is, uh, I'm giving you extra value. But really, they're simple. Number one, sit down with your team and ask, why would they do business with me instead of them? Okay, or us instead of them. What differentiate you? And don't say, because we're really good at what we do, because we're really good at service. That's exactly what your competitors are saying. Do you have some niche area that you specialize in that's going to be really important to certain customers that's different than a typical competitor? That's what you're looking for. Number two, what would your competitors answer that question? What would you think they answer? What is it that they're doing that maybe you're not doing? Number three, keeping pace means if what they're doing is something you should be doing, Start doing it, but do it different because you don't want to be a copycat because all you are is a commodity. And then, wow, how are we going to compete? Well, I'll tell you what, we'll drop a half a point on our uh, on our listing. And you know, you don't want to compete on price. You want to be very, very strong. Uh, so that's number three, keeping pace. Number four, I want you to go outside of your industry. And I want you to look at other companies that you love. And the easiest way to do this is say with your group, hey, what are your favorite businesses? Like, who do you love to do business with? Any business, big, small, doesn't matter. And I'll ask you guys, what do you think the number one response is when I say any business that you love doing business with? What do you think that num- that company is? Any guesses? Krispy Kreme. Oh, man. Nobody's ever said Krispy Kreme, but it's not because of the service. It's because of the donut. Okay. Yeah. No, for me, it's personally, it's because you get to watch them being made. I go to the Krispy Kreme factory and then there you, they, you get to stand there in awe as the little donuts are made. I love it personally. Yeah, and you know what? And I get it. You get you, there's some emotional something going on. It's uh it's teasing your brain, your stomach, your heart, and and you're getting a sugar fix. I don't know. You know how you vacillate uh, or, or salivate over not vacillate, <laughs> salivate over um, you know, gosh, that that steak. I can't wait to get that steak. And all of a sudden it's like endorphins are kicking in. Most people say Amazon. Because what we're looking for is what is it that a company like Amazon, or maybe it's the restaurant down the street, maybe it's a shoe repair, maybe it's your favorite salesperson at a manufacturer that if you're in a business where you're B2B, what is it that they're doing that you love? But you've got to read between the lines. For example, uh, when we talk about Amazon, a lot of people say, well, I love that as soon as I place the order, I know I've got the order went through because I get an email. And then a couple hours later, another email. They're shipping something to me and they give me the tracking info. And then two days later, one day later, I see that picture of the item leaning against my door. 
It's not that Amazon emails really, really well. Amazon gives you great information ongoing as you need it. And, you know, especially if I'm in a process where I have, um, I'm just, you know, I've gone through the home buying and home selling uh, a number of times. I'm not an expert in your field from the standpoint of having a real estate license, but I know this is what I love about the process is when my agent tells me every single day since that person signed the contract, they've gotten their financing approved. Uh, They've set up the inspection. Uh, This is what I'm going to expect. It's that constant flow of information. And by the way, Amazon does it great. Well, that's what we learned from Amazon. Maybe it's um, that shoe repair center that repairs my shoes. They tell me it's ready by Tuesday, but they call me Monday and say, guess what? We're a day early. You know, they're always exceeding my expectations somehow. So find out from other businesses what you can learn. And that's step uh, four or five is to say, what can we start doing of those both, uh, not just the other businesses outside of industry, but even our competitors, if we're keeping pace, is there something that we can add to what we, you know, at, at the beginning of the this process, we're asking, why should someone do business with me? Well, now we're going to start adding additional reasons. And you come back in the step six is simply to go back to step one and ask, now, why would somebody want to do business with me? And you're going to start to uh, look at your competitors and look outside of your industry to create some best practices. They're going to blow away your clients. I love that point that you made. And I like the fact that uh, that you're you're using the analogy of of Amazon in terms of a customer experience. I agree with you that our expectations are raised based on what we experience in in verticals that may be unrelated to what we're doing. So you, you've said a lot of really great stuff, and I I may want to make some minor comments on some of the analogies that you used. But John, you've been silent. Um, Go ahead, William. I've just been blown away. Because um, <laughs> uh, I've listened to some other so-called experts um, in this area, and they, and they give, like, you're supposed to, like, give them a gift, give the client a gift that they don't expect. Or And I always thought it was rather shallow, but I think... Oh, I darn, think, that was my next comment. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think you're good. Um, I just want to put something to you. Um Unfortunately, any of the uh, surveys that's been done about the experience, almost between 70 and 80% of um, um, of homeowners that have been, they would say they probably wouldn't u- utilise the same agent. They would look to utilise wow. somebody else. Is it that high? I think yeah, it is, Robert, it is. isn't it? You know, it is. Um, this isn't jet science. It is, it is complicated. It's like a restaurant. You know, anybody can cook a meal in their home, but when you're running a restaurant, it's that consistency, you know, keep knocking out really good food for hundreds of people day in, day out. It's a totally different enterprise than cooking a nice meal for your for your spouse, isn't it? Um, and I suppose the same is in real estate. It's that consistency. You got any kind of insights about? Because I think everybody that's got a decent heart, that's got you know, that wants to offer a decent service, wants it. But few people can get that consistency, isn't it? I think you're using a word that is very difficult for a lot of people to deliver on, but it's the most important word. 
you keep saying consistency. So we have a foundational concept that I've been talking about in all of my speeches for many, many years about creating customer amazement, client amazement, whatever you want to call the, the people you're, you're, you're working with. Um, the idea behind amazement is never going over the top. It's being a little bit better than average consistently. You know, you want your clients to say, they always, you know, call me back quickly. Uh, they are always knowledgeable. They always keep me informed. The word always followed by something positive is what you're looking for. And if you can create that consistency, it's not, you know, it, it, you're right. You use, you know, jet science. I like that. Rocket science, jet science. It's not rocket science. It's actually common sense that unfortunately is not so common. If you are always trying to go over the top and blow me away with things, you're going to be very uh, uh, mentally, I guess it's, you're going to get the analysis paralysis or some brain freeze when you realize, well, what I'm getting ready to do isn't going to blow them away. I got to wait and make it better than that. You don't need to do that. Just consistently and predictably a little above average. And when you do it right, that's you know, all the time, that's what your customers love. Now, I will add that is there something you would do? Like I had a real estate agent when we sold our home and he knew we were moving into our new place before our other home was being sold. And his set, and he said to me, if I don't sell your home before you move, you will never have to come back to this home again. I will take care of everything you need. It, of course, if I, I will have to pay for the lawn to get cut and, you know, a, a limb to get, you know, trimmed or whatever, but he will make sure that I no longer have to deal with both home or the old home. I just have to deal with the new home. I thought, wow, how does that work? What does that look like? And when he explained it to me, I said, well, that's quite a great service. It's that simple. Uh, and I, and that was one of his differentiation points. And it sounds like, well, any agent might do that. Yeah. But do they talk about it from the very beginning when they understand what their clients are getting ready to do? I knew I'm going to buy a home. I'm going to sell a home and I'm not waiting to sell my home before I buy my home. So I don't, I, you know, I really don't mind having two mortgages. I just don't want to have two homes to be responsible for. So when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to our break. We really appreciate everybody tuning in. We know we're going to get a lot of excitement for having Shep on the show. And we're really excited about that. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, process a little bit because uh, I personally equate consistency with having a strong process. So, and that's so part of what Shep has been kind enough to share with us is the beginnings of a process with the six step uh, process that he opened up the show with. So we'll come back and we'll discuss that a little bit. Stay tuned. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy to use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no question asked 30-day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. All right, we're here with Shep Hyken. If I'm honest, I don't remember the show number. Jonathan, you're going to have to actually put that into the edit. I think it's 293, but maybe... No, it's 295, actually. Two, two. So we're here with episode number 295. We're talking to, talking to Shep Hyken, who is a world-famous consultant, speaker, pretty much everything that you can think of. He's talking about customer service uh, experience with us. And we just talked about process. 
So I think, and, and the guys were talking about consistency. Now for me personally, cause I own a business, it's very small in comparison to chefs. Probably I've got about 20 employees. And one of the things that allows for consistency in my business is an incredibly strong process. And that also to me feels like what Amazon does, like a strong process. They have step one, step two, and their steps are all about getting you whatever it is that you ordered online. And the like step three of the process is we notify the client that the thing has been picked out of our warehouse. Step four is we, we load it on a truck and the client gets notified. Step five is it gets delivered to your doorstep. And now we send you a text message saying, Hey, we delivered your product. It's on your doorstep, right? That's to me, that's the process. Somebody came up with the process. Somebody decided what that was going to look like. And then they put it in place for a real estate agent. And I'm going to come up with a question here, Shep. In my opinion, is we're going like for a real estate agent, it's going to end up being uh, like step one, you acquire the customer, right? But that's just the first step, in my opinion. The second, third, fourth, and fifth steps are going to have to do with what you do, which is the customer service experience. And that's going to be more like uh, put the sign on the lawn, knock on the client's door, leave them a card. Uh, saying that, hey, I've set the the home up uh, on my listing service, things like that. Those to me, that's a that's a process. Um, it, it, so, is it correct to say, Shep, that if somebody was to tune into what you do, mm-hmm. what they could learn would be a process for potentially like making somebody happier, like a step one, step two, these are the things that you can do to improve the opinion of that a customer might have of you. Sure. Well, I mean, are they processes or chapters in books or topics in a speech? Um, that's the process. And as you were talking about this, what I thought about was the journey map. Mm-hmm. And if there's something that's important, like clients say, what's the first step I should take in creating, you know, the customer focused culture, creating a customer focused organization. I would tell them, number one, you need to make sure you have the right people on the bus. That's hiring the right people. You got to constantly train them, not right when they come on and say, this is what we're about. We're about great service. Here's a half a day of training. Now go forth and be successful. No, it's, it's an on the time, all the time thing, but you've got to have the right infrastructure in place you know, and then we want to look at the journey map. What is the typical journey that our clients are going to be taking with us from the very beginning when we first connect with them? Are they calling us because they saw a sign in somebody's yard, saw an ad in in uh, the local paper? What you know, when from the moment they connect with us, however they do connect with us, and maybe even before that is part of the process. You map out every touch point every interaction that they're going to have. That's a lot of interactions, the smallest ones and the biggest ones. Then you want to go a step further. You want to look down underneath each one of these interactions. You need to understand what drives them and who's responsible. Robert, you said he had 20 people. Somebody's responsible for something that someone else isn't. And whoever it is, even if they're behind the scenes, they are doing something to, that will impact that top line touch point. Anyway, once these touch points are identified, I want you to look at each and every one of them and say, is there a way to make it better? Is there a way to make it better? And there may not be, and that's okay. But if there is a way, can we do it? What would it cost to do it? Can we make it part of the process so it is repeatable 
and consistent. So those are just a few ideas on what it takes to move this thing forward as a process. I love that. And for me, the way that I move my process forward is I do spreadsheets, Google, Google Sheets, and we do actually map out every single communication. I'm talking to every email, every, every, and what I do as a business leader is I record a video connected to each one of those touch points that says, this is how I would do it. This is what my expectations of the team are. And so we've got about 200 videos yeah. inside of our, inside of our process that is that is i i look at it as training teaching and training that's how i personally view it like i'm just trying to educate you about how i would like this done you have to give people a little bit of time to step up to the process especially a big one that has 200 points to it like that's not an easy journey in my opinion for somebody to take on the inside of the company however if you're always moving towards growth i think that's that's a good direction to be going but i love what you said about a journey map and I think that for our listeners, this concept of taking the time, even if it was six months, and mapping out every single touch point that you that you ever have with a client, I think that's the beginning, I, absolutely the beginning of a process. Understanding. And, and you keep it going, too. You, it's ongoing. You, you've done it. Now come back six months later and look at it again. What's changed? Because something has changed, no doubt. And if you were to say, Shep, like if we're talking about a journey map, and we're talking about this, uh, you said you had eight books. What would you point to inside your own personal catalog of teaching that you'd say you might want to check this out to help you in the process? Well, well, every book has a chapter or two in it on my foundational concepts. And I already shared one, which was the concept of amazement, better than average all the time. Another concept that's foundational is managing the interaction. That interaction goes one of three ways. Now, this comes from Jan Carlson's concept of the moment of truth. Anytime, his, his air, he had an airline, he ran an airline, so his customer was a passenger. So he said, anytime the passenger uh, has any interaction with the airline, they have an opportunity to form an impression. So anytime one of our customers or clients has any contact with us, they form an impression. He said, it can be good or bad. And I said, there's a third way, and that is it can be average. Okay. Now, you gave me a startling statistic earlier that said that 80% of the agents will not get repeat business from these customers. They'd prefer to do business with someone else. That is crazy. I mean, that's a huge amount of churn rate. I would imagine uh, <laughs> there's some people that are, are skewing this in a positive way, uh, but it's still, it's like, you know, who gets repeat business. I know, um, you know, my brother just sold his home and our mom passed away. I said, who do you want to use? I want to use my agent. Well, why? He told me why. And he, and I can understand why. Great. Well, I was going to argue with him. It was my brother. So we ended up with that, but there's that opportunity for repeat business. And, and you know what? It went so well. And I do want to come back to Jonathan's point about gifts in just a moment, but Back to this whole uh, process that we're talking about and everything we're trying to achieve. We want to manage the interaction. It goes one of three ways. It's bad, it's average, it's good, okay? Bad is a moment of misery. That could be because somebody actually has a complaint or maybe they just felt like the agent was, eh, you know, they just didn't seem that motivated. They were very slow. There's little complaints, but they weren't worth bringing up. They were just, the whole experience was not good. But average, average is fine. Fine is not fine. 
Fine is the F-bomb of customer experience. Four-letter word that starts with F. And, you know, if you had to break it down, fine is, how is everything? It's fine. Fine's a fake smile. That's what F is. I is insincere that's why, I get, that's why I get a lot for my dates. See, my <laughs> How did the date go? It was fine, Jonathan. <laughs> fine means you're never going to have another date with him or her ever again. You know, so end of story. But, it, you know, that whole idea of fine is, is just average, satisfactory, okay, mundane, trite, pedestrian. You can tell I do crossword puzzles. The idea here is that we want to be better than fine. And it's not that difficult to do when you break it down and you're totally aware of it. And you have to constantly be reminding your team of what it's like to be a little bit better than average or fine. And you know, you'll have opportunities to go way above and beyond. And when that happens, you'll hit it out of the park. But day in and day out, look for the opportunities to be just a little bit better than average. How quickly do you return that call? You know, uh, how fast do you get information to your, your, your clients? Can you be proactive and get them information because you know they're going to ask for it. So why not have it ready for them when they do or give it to them even before they do? So there you go. Because in some ways, I'll, I've been blown away and hopefully sometime either this year or next year, you come back on the show because I've just been blown away by you. Um, but yeah, it's a very competitive industry, but that figure, 70 to 80%, what we've been, it, it is competitive, but the actual... You know, to be better than just fine doesn't seem that high, doesn't it, really? Yeah, well, that's what Um, happens is is the rest of the industry makes the bar pretty low, you know? But that's the way it is in most industries. The bar is low. Um, There was a stat, I don't have the most current stat. It's probably about three years ago. $75 billion was lost due to poor customer service. It's like, you know, why? And and so we do studies and we understand, you know, like just calling customer support. We ask uh, uh, over a thousand consumers, would you rather go to the dentist or would you rather call customer support? Well, apparently 48% of these people would rather get a root canal than have to be put on hold, talk to five different agents, tell their story every time. Do you see what I'm getting at? The bar isn't always that high to exceed it. But I'll tell you this, another thing that most people in the business where the cycle of sale is so long, the average customer in, in your business will move every, they say approximately, what, six, seven years? Yeah. Okay, five so when do, you start, when do you start trying to renew that relationship? Okay, you've done business with somebody and then it's over and you wait until they call you six or seven years. Or are you doing something in between to stay relevant, to stay important to them, to maintain that relationship? By the way, I just received an incredible gift from somebody. Um, I got it. So uh, the uh, agent who um, sold my mom's house took a picture of my mom's house and had an artist do a rendering of my mom's house. Not a big one, just a small one. And gave it to my brother and I as gifts for, I mean, that's a pretty cool sentimental gift. Um, I have a friend of mine that says, if you're going to give a gift with a logo on it, it's not a gift, it's promotion. So give somebody something that's real. We just had somebody, and this is a great real estate gift. Somebody just stayed at our home. And the gift they sent us was a pen in a box that says, please use this pen. You put it on top of the guest book. So that when you have a guest stay in your guest bedroom, they can write a little note to you. I go, that's freaking brilliant. And you know what? 
I, I don't need her logo or her name on this gift to remember that that always came from them. My friend, John Rulin, who if you haven't had on the show, you should have him on the show. He's the giftologist expert. He says, give everybody a knife for their kitchen and put their name on the knife, not your name, specially made for the kitchen of, you know, Jonathan Denwood and the family, you know, you know what I'm saying? And then it's like, yeah. you don't, it, it's just, you're, you're being relevant with those things. And every oh, once yeah. in a while, drop I a know, nugget. I know you're getting short on time, but I'm, I just, hopefully Robert won't mind. I'm just dying to ask you this question um, before we wrap it up. It's Shet, not me, man. All right. All right. Um, I, I, as a subcontractor, I, I have worked for some very large companies and observed some cultures and in general, um, they've been pretty rough. You know, they they spend a lot of money on on customer quality of service, but the actual internal story, the actual internal consciousness, hasn't matched the propaganda. They, everybody agrees, smiles, they want to get promoted, but if they're talking in real private, they, the company's shit. You know, the service is crap. Um, and I, I think like what you said, like most people, part rather than reading up um, customer service, they'd rather have a root canal. You're right about that. What's going on? You know, these companies all seem to spend a fortune on training, but the actual reality doesn't match. Is it because... Corporate America really sees customer care as just a cost. Is that well, it's a cool? shame if they do? It's a shame because actually, it's the cost. The, the cost is an investment, not a cost, and the investment should have an ROI. We tell our clients, if especially people who are going to their leadership saying, "I want to spend money on something," the you know the leadership understanding is all about numbers. You know, show me the money. Tell me what the ROI is. But let me tell you, you've got a couple of questions in there. Number one, let's talk about that training that they, uh, the company invests in. A lot of times, the training is invested in one-time training, not an ongoing training. And I'm not suggesting you have to spend, you know, if you're going to spend, you know, ten dollars today on training, you got to spend ten dollars every time. No, you could spend ten dollars today, and two dollars the next time, and two dollars the next time. But it's ongoing. You know, I, I say training isn't something you did; it's something you do. So let me give you. Uh, I will give you a six-step process in under one minute or close to it. Number one is you have to, leadership has to define the vision of what the customer experience is supposed to be. Separate than your vision and mission statements, something like the Ritz-Carlton saying, it's nine words long. We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. It's nine words that everybody can remember. If that's what we're supposed to do, great. Number two, it needs to be communicated. Constantly, it needs to be in front of them. You need to be able to walk up to every one of your employees and say, what's your service vision? And they need to be able to tell you right off the top of their head. Number three, you need to train everybody, not just people on the front line. Here's my belief. Service is not a department. It is a philosophy that's ingrained throughout the entire organization, which is why so many times you're getting that crappy level of service, even though they claim they're giving you good service or they talk a good game. Number four, leadership must be the role model. As leaders, that's what we need to do. You treat the people internally the way you want the people treated externally. And by the way, if you treat them poorly, don't expect them to treat your customers any better. And as a role model, that goes beyond just leadership, but it's a manager, it's a supervisor. Number five, 
is that leadership's job is to keep everybody in alignment. Robert, you've got 20 people. It's easy if one of them goes out of alignment for you to pull them aside and say, let's have a little training session. Let me get you back into alignment. So I, uh, I interviewed a bunch of executives and I asked them, what's your most important job? And one of them says, I defend the culture. And that's keeping people in alignment. And finally, number six, that. celebrate it when it works. So there you go. I probably took two minutes, but that's my six-step process. Oh, love you can make it, it five if you want. I just love right. it, but we need to wrap it up. John, yeah, yeah we got to go because we want to respect your time, Shep. So listen, thank you. thank you so much, very much for coming on the show. John, if you don't mind, I'm going to skip the normal wrap-up. You can add it on to the edit at the end of the show. We really appreciate your time, Shep. I think that you've dropped so much value on our audience in such a short amount of time. Uh, John and I wish you well to what on whatever whatever else you're doing. Um, well, let, 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 let him promote his book again before the okay. end. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be back. How to get customers to come back again and again. You can go to Amazon and just type in I'll be back book. Uh, because you type in I'll be back, you get a lot of information about Donald Trump coming back in the next election. But I'll be back book.com is uh, be on both of those things. I'm not being political. I'm just, I mean, I know, I'm just going and I known that would be what pops up in the search engines when I titled the book. I don't know what I would have done, but uh, I'll be back if it reminds you of Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. Remember, customers will terminate you and they'll also say, I'll be back. Wonderful. All right, man. Uh, All right. Listen, Thanks, it's man. been great. Have a good one. All right. Take care, you too, my friends. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah.